Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to talk about Media Day today. Pretty interesting festivities, for sure. There was a lot to go over from Media Day today. There's just a, like, just a madhouse in there. and It's my first time, of course. Like Everybody knows I've, I've grown up in Denver. The only team that I've really covered is the Nuggets. And, and I've gone to other games and whatnot, but this is the first time that I've had this experience just as much as anybody here. So uh, all of this is, is Greek to me, uh, but excited to be able to go over it and share some insight, share some thoughts on, on what we're doing today. And and then we'll get into the mailbag after that. I asked for questions on Twitter uh, this evening and thought, hey, let's just go over some questions that Nuggets fans still have for this particular podcast. And, and we'll, we'll see where this thing goes, because uh, this should be like this is the kind of the last one. This is the last moment that we have to fully discuss what it's going to look like for the rest of this series. And like this is. I had this moment after doing Den Benders last night, too. This is like the final preview. This is the final little bit of preview for a series for the 2022-23 season. And that's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool moment. A little bit of a, like, it's definitely a sad moment for sure. But I'm excited for where this is going to go. But first, let's go over uh, how the finals are just, just, it's just a different experience. And there was nothing more, I think, visceral about that than walking into media today and walking into the arena uh, after getting my credential, by the way, which you've got all your your different finals credentials. It's different from your normal stuff. Uh, They have you park in different lots. They have you, all this stuff is set up in a different way so that they can maximize as many people that are coming to this thing as possible. And I walk into the arena and like the practice is about to open up for the Nuggets. And there are, I kid you not, like 300 people there just just milling around waiting for this thing to start, just like me. And I'm not surprised because this is a very, very interesting point. And it's it's a very important time for the NBA. And this, this is the place to be if you're the NBA. And if you're a fan... Like you're gonna to want to come to this if you're a media person. Like this is some like this is something that is a bucket list item for a lot of people to cover the NBA Finals, and it's it was really cool for me. I got got some good video, got some good action from like the there was a clip that I posted today that went semi-viral of Jokic missing that uh, three pointer that he hit like 
the same style of three that he hit on the left wing over Anthony Davis and, and LeBron James to win the game. Same style of three. He airballs it by a full three feet. And I had a whole bunch of Lakers fans in, in my mentions being like, they shouldn't have made that against us. It's such a BS shot. And Nuggets fans are just laughing because he will make it in the next game. He's just joking around in practice. Uh, but it was very cool to see. And the venue, like everything is in a different spot. There is a tent. Like the there are multiple area uh, arena interview rooms. There are like just it's just a wild set of connected like like you've got radio stuff, you've got TV stuff, you've got writer stuff, you've got uh social crowds, you've got just a, a variety of stuff, and there's people from all over. There was a communication that went out, I think last night, about how there's over two hundred and forty international media that are covering these finals. And and I don't know if that's a record, but it does kind of feel like it. And why wouldn't there be international presence here? Like this is a, this is a really, really great opportunity. If you, if you are like trying to connect basketball to a, to the rest of the world. And like, it's not just the United States sport as, as I think uh, Denver Nuggets fans know, and then how connected Serbian fans and Serbian culture is to the NBA and to, to the Nuggets. So, yeah, uh, this is it's going to be crazy. Like they're like I I remember back to the regular season here where sometimes there were six or seven people sitting in the post game pressers. Like legitimately six or seven people because some of the TV folks have to go home because maybe it's not the most important game uh because maybe it's an Eastern Conference opponent that doesn't really have a rivalry or whatever, but it was a different feel entirely where I walk into that same interview room today to try to get a spot and it's standing room only because all of the seats are taken. There are cameras in the back and like there's 20 different cameras and the room is dark and and lit so that it can only be focused on the interviewee. And it's just an entirely different feel. It was pretty cool. Like it's definitely a cool thing for sure. Uh, But really interesting to see where it goes from here. Really interesting to see how the Nuggets... Uh, really handle this, but as of now, they're pretty loose. Like they're they're pretty loose, but they they seem to be wanting to get this done. I, I feel like when you're antsy like that, when you when you're having questions about rest or rust, then you are probably going to be a little bit bothered in, in terms of like, hey, I think KCP said it today in an interview. I wasn't in that one, uh, but he said it today. I am sick and tired of of playing my teammates. I want to go play an opponent. And that's that's a, a very fair thing. But it's also a thing that teams often say in training camp. I, I remember thinking that when I'm playing high school football back in the day. It's like, man, I'm so tired of going up against my teammates. I would rather go up against an opposing team. And I, everybody that plays sports has that too. You want to compete. You want to uh, enjoy that moment. And obviously, this is at the maximum scale of that. And these guys are competitors to a fault. And they seem to be ready to go for sure. Uh, but I do know that part of this entire conversation is about, hey, how ready for this are the Nuggets? Are, are the Nuggets ready for what this is? What the NBA kind of is right now and what the finals are right now? Because it's a different beast. It, it really is. And there's talking about the media presence. All of the glitz and the glamour that you see at a lot of these other locations around the NBA, it's now being brought up and multiplied 
in Denver, where there's no glitz and glamour playing in the Denver market. That's just not how this market really carries itself from a basketball perspective. And that's fine. Like, I like it that way. Uh, but I do think that the intensity and the like the entire city and the entire area around the city is just buzzing right now about this. And I, I get it from everybody. I get people messaging me and texting me and, and trying to get into contact with me about, hey, no, you've done Nugget stuff. This is really cool. And like it does feel like that, just reconnecting from people from all over uh, Colorado, which is it's really cool. But that's that's not a feeling that you would normally get in, for a December regular season game. Like it's just not. And the Nuggets, I think, are experiencing that. They're experiencing uh, what they set out to do, uh, all of the goals that they had at the beginning of the regular season, where they were talking to themselves and talking about their own personal expectations and what they were hoping for. And now you're really talking about uh, fulfilling those goals in a way that even they may not have fully understood what it meant. I think they believe they understood. I think that this group, when you have a guy like KCP who's who's experienced this before, he can parlay some of that wisdom onto some of his teammates. Jeff Green's been to the finals before. I don't think anybody else has been to the finals, but uh, it does feel like to me that Denver has a lot of experience. Like, that's kind of lacking in this point, despite the fact that they have some guys that can really guide them through. This is Jokic first, Jokic's first time. This is Murray's first time. This is Porter's first time. Aaron Gordon, same thing. Like all of these guys, this is one of the moments that they dream of. One of the moments that as competitors, they are living and dying by trying to get to this point. And now that you're here, it's all like it's it's never going to go fully smoothly. Like there, there are going to be bumps in the road, just like there always are. Uh, it's it's not going to go perfectly swimmingly. You're going to have to fight through different things. And part of that is just the entire media experience and the entire uh, circus that this is. Like These guys may or may not be ready for it. And this is why I, I have this question up here. I do think the Nuggets are ready for this. I do think that they have that, uh, that they are ready for that point. And... Yeah, if you're a first-time winner, like there have always been first-time winners. The Warriors were first-time winners back in 2015, and I re- I uh, wrote an article on MileHighSports.com that you should check out for sure. That talked about Nikola Jokic, Jimmy Butler, and why the Denver Nuggets and Miami Heat are the exact right teams for this moment of time in the NBA because of just how emblematic they are of what the NBA has been this year and what they need to be going forward. The Nuggets are that aspect of what they need to be going forward and how they need to continue to showcase Denver. And I compared them to the Golden State Warriors. I compared them to the 2015 Warriors, where obviously that Warriors team won 67 games. They there were better from a regular season standpoint, for sure, than what the Nuggets were. But I do think that the Nuggets kind of sandbagged themselves in, in how they played various, like at various points. Uh, they were like, but in general, like the the similarities are very striking. You have two superstars that are amazing, two amazing dynamic players that uh, Steph is a a once in a generation kind of magician of what he does. Jokic is very similar in that. And for some reason, he hasn't really captivated that audience. And there are a variety of reasons for that. But one of the reasons is I don't think he's been showcased in the way that Steph Curry has been. 
And like Seth Curry has continued to be showcased. And this has been kind of an eight years going on thing. But there were a lot of people before the Warriors actually won that where they're like, we don't know if you're actually good despite winning 67 games. They ran up against LeBron James. And LeBron, like, there were a lot of people that just believed that LeBron would do it. And to be fair, he got two games off of them, which was very, very impressive. That's not something that I think that they expected uh, from from LeBron when Kyrie Irving and, and Kevin Love both went down. But the reason why the Nuggets and the Warriors are so similar is because of their styles of play, because they're new, because they're fresh, and because they came about in moments where there was a lot of indecision and not mediocrity back in 2015 because you had some really great teams. Uh, but in terms of staleness, like you know, the Warriors uh, as the new kid on the block, and then LeBron teams are all like you know what a LeBron team looks like, and the Spurs like those are the teams that really were there. Also, the uh, the Boston Celtics were kind of broken up at that point, and that just like you needed a different uh, version. As as were the Los Angeles Lakers, they were in a very downward spell at that point. So the Warriors came up and filled that void. Why can't the Nuggets? Why can't they do that? Like it seems like they are the exact kind of team with the exact fun style of play, a jovial superstar that's never in trouble, and and just a a really interesting group that's that's I think ripe for plenty of success for many years. Like why can't they be the team that steps into this void where the the entire NBA has been full of mediocrity throughout this entire season? And why can't the Nuggets be that kind of team? It, it, to me, seems like a great moment for them. But, but, uh, that's, so that's me talking about my article. But I think that they still have to step up to the plate. They still have to finish the job. And they still have to capitalize on the moment in a way that I think that they will. But I also know that things get weird. So we will talk about why it's going to get weird a little bit. But... I do think that Denver's ready. It's, I just know, just having watched what this was, watched what happened over the course of today, uh, that the Nuggets are going to get tired of the media. They've been tired of the media for a long time, but this is a different beast. What this is going to look like is very, very different. And I am looking forward to what ultimately happens because you just never know. You just never know what you're going to see. And maybe you're going to see a star born. Maybe you're going to see... Um, some some weird stuff happens. So hopefully everything goes swimmingly, but we will talk about exactly what happens going forward. Uh, we'll be right back um, on Pickaxe and Roll. But first, everybody, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook. Bring that big bet energy this summer with Superbook Sports. They are the most trusted name in sports betting right now. And you can use promo code MILEHIGH to score up to $250 in their first bet bonus. Win or lose, they will match your first bet up to $250 with promo code MILEHIGH. I can think of a couple of things that you can put that money down on. Uh, I would definitely look at Jamal Murray and the points. That seems like a pretty good option there. Uh, make sure to visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions or download the Superbook Colorado app in the app stores. Enter the promo code Mile High and you'll get 250 bucks courtesy of Superbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We will be right back on Pickaxe and Roll.
and we're back pickaxe and roll ryan blackburn here thank you so much everybody for tuning in appreciate all the love and support on the podcast as always uh if you can it'd be awesome if you could rate review and subscribe to the podcast i see some likes flowing in there thank you so much for liking the video this is the 1000th youtube video on the mhs youtube account uh that is a a crazy thing to say and i'm i'm just very happy to be a part of it uh very happy that, that we've seen as much growth on the channel as possible and uh, very happy that everybody's hopping in here to uh, to really do that. So so thank you so much for helping this become a thing and, and for helping me continue to sustain. This is a, this is a big deal. 1,000 videos on the YouTube side. I didn't post all of those, though. So like we've got we've got plenty of people who are also contributing here. Uh, make sure to go just subscribe to the MHS channel. See if we can get up to 2K subscribers by the time the finals are up. Uh, we are nearly there. We are, I think, at about uh, 1.94. So, like, we we're about 60 away. Uh, let's see if we can get 60 people. That would be that would be very very cool. All right. And uh, Cedric asks Ryan, can we ask questions? Yes. Uh, we will go back and forth between some of the uh, questions that I already pre-assembled on this mailbag time. Uh, but yes, you can absolutely ask questions, and I will not uh, blame you for doing so. Uh, this is a good opportunity for sure, and I'm looking forward to what people have to ask. So make sure to get them in, in the comments uh, for everybody watching along live. And I will, I'm going to start with a couple of the prefab ones, or not prefab, but the ones that are asked on Twitter. Cyberslash, he asks, is it a successful season? If the Nuggets lose to the Heat, I thought this was an interesting one because you get to this point. This is the furthest the Denver Nuggets have ever been before, and somehow it feels like because they are such favorites over the Miami Heat, it feels like they should get to this. Like they should win. It feels like this is a great opportunity for them. Hypothetically, if they don't win, I. It's going to feel bad. Like, it really, really will feel bad based off of how much of a favorite they are and based off of what they've done to get to this point. Uh, that would be pretty pretty awful if it were to happen. Uh, if Denver had faced the Celtics and just wasn't as good as Boston, like, Boston would have been favored in that series. They would have had an extra home game. Uh, that series would have started in Boston. It would be a little bit different. Uh, but Denver's now the favorite. Like, they are, they are the team that should win. And I think that they have a great matchup advantage against Miami. So if they did lose, I think you can call it a failure. I think that every season, I, I don't actually, let me rephrase that. Every season that doesn't end in a championship, that doesn't make it a failure. I think in this particular case, because of the circumstances that we're now seeing with how, how dominant Denver has been in the playoffs and the opponent that they're currently facing, I think that it would be a failure. I think that this particular season would be a failure because it feels like everything has lined up for Denver, knock on wood, and that would be pretty, pretty stressful if they didn't actually get this done, uh, but should be very interesting uh, because, yeah, I mean, I think uh, Cosmics, I think, says it here. You and I never go to the finals again, so yeah, it, it won't be a success. Like, they, they could never get back to this point. Jokic is 28. Next year, he'll be 29. The year after that, he'll be 30. We don't know how Jokic is going to age. We assume that he will continue to age and, and be like 
perfectly good and perfectly uh, amazing at what he does, but we don't know. So getting to this point, you have to take advantage. If you don't, then I do think it's an issue. Uh, make sure to drop your questions in the comments if you have them. Phoenix asks, realistic predictions for player averages in this series. Uh, I think I'll start with Jokic on this one. This is one I've been thinking about for a little bit. What would it actually look like from a realistic perspective? Well, right now he's averaging about 30 points, 13 rebounds, and 10 assists, I, I think are the numbers. Let me just confirm that to make sure that's true. Um, 30 points, 13 rebounds, 10 assists. What a, what a, holy crap. Uh, yeah, he's leading the NBA in assists right now, which is really, really cool. Just, just doing that from the center position is insane. And it shows just how incredible he has been, but also how incredible the Nuggets offense has been while he's been out there, especially. Uh, I think, yeah, realistic averages for Jokic is that he continues to do the same thing. 30 points, 13 rebounds, 10 assists. Do I think it's going to be that high? I actually don't. I actually think that the Heat are going to load up on him for sure, and they're going to try to get him to pass, and they are going to have to overhelp because he will be dominant, and they are not going to be willing to let him go in single coverage the entire time. And if that's the case, then he's not going to average as many points, but I do think he'll average one or two extra assists. So if I had to guess on what he actually has, Probably 26, 13, and 12. That would be my guess. Which, I mean, again, that's it's ludicrous. Um, we've got some comments in here as well. Um, actually, no, let's, let's keep going. Jamal, I think he's also going to average fewer points. I think he's going to have about 25, 5, and 5. That would be my guess on, on Jamal's stat line. Uh, he'll probably go about... 50, 40, 90, or wherever he's he's been over the course of these playoffs, that that feels about right to me. And like I don't see players that are going to be super disruptive to him. Now, maybe it's slightly worse efficiency. Maybe it's closer to like 45, 38, 85. That's not bad. Like Denver can definitely win like that. It's just like if they can avoid crazy turnover totals and if they can avoid Jokic or Murray completely dropping off from their efficiency, then they have a, a really strong chance, no matter what. So that would be what I'd expect there. Uh, and then we'll do Michael Porter here. I think Michael Porter's going to average more points than what he's averaged so far. I think he's at 14.6, if I'm not mistaken, for the series or for the playoffs. Let me just confirm that here. Yeah, 14.6 points per game. I think that's going to go up. I think he's going to average about 16 or 17 points a game. Uh, and it's going to look like more open shots versus zone. It's going to be some offensive rebounds. There are going to be plenty of opportunities there. And rather just be full-on two-man game between Jokic and Murray, I do think that Porter's going to find some more opportunities. Like He's averaging about 11.7 shot attempts right now. I think that's going to go up. I think it'll be at like 13. And that's a good thing. Like You want him to be aggressive in this moment, and he's talented enough that he can hit those shots. So... You want him to take advantage of the zone, and, and he's the perfect, perfect guy to do so. Um, yeah, let's uh, actually, I just saw a comment here. Cedric says, uh, How many games do you think this series will go to, Ryan? Uh, I guess this is a weird time to actually answer this one, but I do think that this is going to go five games. 
I think that Denver wins this in five. I think that Denver has a great opportunity to set the t- or set the tone in games one and two, where they have a little bit of a rest advantage here, where they've been game planning for the Heat a little bit longer than the Nuggets or than the Heat have been game planning for the Nuggets. And if that's the case, and if they are the better team, and if they are as prepared, and Miami is a little bit tired, if they are not as used to the altitude, then game one is a great opportunity for them. The series will be decided in game two. I think that's fair to say. I think that if you you think that Denver's going to win game one, and I do, then game two is the one where Miami's bounced back a little from the altitude a bit. They'll have a little bit more energy that time around. Still two days off in between the games. You have uh, game one on Thursday, game two on Sunday. So Miami will be able to adjust a little bit, but can they actually get that game? I would guess that that game will be really close. I would guess that that game would be the one that decides whether this series is going to go long or not. If Denver wins it, which I believe that they will, then I think that this series goes four or five games. Uh, just because I think that Denver's capable of winning one or even two games in Miami. That's not the the home court advantage that I, I just I just don't see that as the, a massive home court advantage uh, from a crowd standpoint. But like maybe maybe the vibe is is just a little bit different, and maybe Denver gets a little bit bothered by it, or at least distracted by it, and maybe Miami is able to pull off two games there. Maybe that happens. I don't think it would. I think that it's more likely that the series goes five games than it does seven games. I, that's the direction that I'd lean. I don't see a great path for Miami to do a lot of things, but I do think that they have some answers that they're going to throw at a wall and see if it sticks. And the ultimate thing for them is if they just bomb away from three and hit a lot of shots, then Denver will be, that'll be tough. That'll be tough for Denver to have to match up with. But the differences between them and Boston is that Denver can score and they don't have to rely on outside shooting in order to score, which is just so irregular. Uh, Denver can get into the middle of the paint and that is going to be such a key against a smaller Miami Heat team. So, I think that Denver wins this in, this series in five games, and that's basically all there is to that. All right, let's go back to these questions. Um, let's see, here we go. Uh, Rick B says, "How many Nuggets three guard lineups would be, uh, or how have the Nuggets three guard lineups been in the playoffs, and how effective would those be with MPJ at the four? And Jokic at the five. I actually looked at this on cleaning the glass and just wanted to mention this within this podcast. Three guard lineups with Murray, KCP, and Bruce Brown on the court. Minus 3.8 net rating in 131 possessions. It hasn't actually been great. It hasn't actually been the thing that Denver has really uh, benefited from. Now, some of those lineups are good and some of those lineups are bad. Like It's not just negative in that like and then all the sample sizes are still pretty small so like you go on a 7-0 run or an 0-7 run then that really flips the sample size around a little bit but the fact is that Denver haven't been as good with the three guard lineups and I'm not really surprised uh just because they, they their identity right now is they are bigger stronger faster and shoot over the top of all of these other teams and Michael Porter at the three with either Aaron Gordon or Jeff Green at the four, I think has been really beneficial 
for what the Nuggets have done. That's been that's been a big storyline. But if they do go to MPJ at the four and Jokic at the five, I know that those configurations, especially with Murray, Bruce Brown, and KCP out there, those have been good. And I think that against the Heat, that's actually going to be a lineup that they have to play. Like, hypothetically, actually, it's it's going to be tough because the, maybe KCP is on uh, Jimmy Butler in that case, or uh, maybe Bruce Brown is on Jimmy Butler in that case. But I do think that uh, those lineups, those particular groups with MPJ at the four, they'll provide maximum spacing in terms of what the Nuggets need to do against the zone. And like, I know that like Bruce Brown would be in the dunker spot in that case. Jokic would be at the free throw line. Murray, KCP, and MPJ are on the perimeter. And Bruce Brown is also capable of rotating out to the three-point line, especially on the right side, and hitting shots from the corner. Now you have him rotate out to the left side, and it's not as good. Like, that's actually something that that was a very interesting statistical quirk, that they just haven't done great there. Or he hasn't done great there on the left side of the court. But uh, Denver has options there. They can go to a lot of different things. The three-guard lineup is something that they haven't really done a ton of during these playoffs, and for good reason. It just hasn't been as good as MPJ at the three, and then Aaron Gordon and Casey, or Aaron Gordon or Jeff Green at the four. Uh, I like that they have MPJ at the three. I do think that there will be times for MPJ to go at the four, but a lot of where Denver gets into trouble when they go with um, those three guard lineups is when they don't have the spacing at the four, and they just they just don't make it work that way. So hopefully they can turn that around and it won't be much of an issue. Chad Shell he asks, what's the likely bench rotation and how short will it be? Uh, this is an interesting one because I, I do think that Christian Brown will be back in the rotation. I think that eight-man rotation is likely where you where you go. Eight-man rotation was working for the first two rounds of the playoffs, and then Christian Brown just wasn't a great matchup against LA, and that wasn't great for them. But he is a great matchup for uh, Miami because you need switchable wings switchable players that compete hard, that will battle on the glass, that aren't going to be taken advantage of there. Christian Brown can do that as long as he doesn't like get tied up in the moment, which I don't I don't really expect him to, although like NBA finals are different from a national championship, though I do think that that experience will help Christian for sure. Um, he's just going to have to really concentrate on what his job is, and whether that's guarding Jimmy Butler whether that's sticking to Caleb Martin and preventing him from going off, whether that is attacking the zone and trying to be a cutter, trying to be an offensive rebounder within the zone, or space it out and hit the threes that he has to hit, he's going to have to do it. Uh, but Denver will go to eight. Jeff Green's a good option in the series. Bruce Brown is a good option in the series. They've been uh, reasonably stable throughout these playoffs for sure. And then Denver's got their five starters, and that's that's probably what it looks like. If I had to guess what it actually looks like from the bench perspective, like in the non-Jokic minutes, I would guess like they probably go back to their bread and butter of Murray, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green. Now, one of those issues will be zone defense, and we'll talk about that in just a little bit here. But I do think that Denver will have some some perfectly fine times there, and they can always insert one of KCP or MPJ to be able to add some spacing to that group as opposed to uh, somebody like a Christian Brown. So 
should be okay. I'm not really too concerned about it, but that is probably where they go to with their eight-man group. And the last one before we hit another break here. Who is most likely... Actually, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do one more after that. Uh, who is most likely, if anyone, to get added to the rotation off the bench? Um, I've always talked about Zeke or Vlatko. Vlatko's actually in both games uh, that the Nuggets played against Miami, if I'm not mistaken. He's in those lineups. He's played reasonably well uh, during the regular season. And to me, that's another option that you can go to. A player that is smart, that knows what they're supposed to do, that could hit shots in like on the edge of the zone, and just knows how to attack said zone and getting the ball into the middle of the paint. Like so much about playing the Miami Heat is being smart and is operating under pressure and making the right decision. And what Vlaco does better than just about anybody coming off of that Nuggets bench is he just he knows where to move the ball. And sometimes he'll screw up an execution. Sometimes he may not be the right defender for a moment. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be the case against the Heat specifically. Like, I, I don't think he's going to be like Jimmy will attack him, but Gabe Vincent or Kyle Lowry or Caleb Martin attacking him is not like that to me is not that big of a deal. So if you throw Flacco Chanchar out there and maybe he's in place of a Jeff Green or maybe he's in place of a Christian Brown uh, or like you, you go with nine guys, uh, that would be very interesting to me. Uh, just just to see what they what they get from a guy like Flacco. That he he's the guy that I probably trust most in this situation because he's played a lot of games for team or for team Slovenia in international play. Like that would be a very important piece of this. Like he's been in big games before. They just haven't been at the NBA level. So I I don't think that Reggie Jackson's going to execute the defensive schemes that Denver needs to execute. I don't think that. Um, Zeke Nagy is is the right guy for for this particular series, but maybe he is. Maybe, maybe that's a surprising one. Uh, but we're just gonna have to see. I think I'd probably put Vlaco as that guy, but you never know. Like I'm curious to hear what everybody else would would think about that. Like, is is Vlaco the right player there, or am I missing somebody on that front? I don't know. And then, actually, no. We'll we'll take a break. We'll take a break at this point, and when we come back. We are going to discuss the rest of these questions, and I've, I've got a monologue that I've planned towards the end of this podcast that I think uh, think you're going to want to stick around for. We'll be right back. But first, everybody, this podcast, as you know, we are uh, associated with our, our guys over at um, over at uh, uh, Mile High Sports Radio, and I am going to play a clip here uh, of the Sandy and Sean show, of which I was on this afternoon. So make sure to go check out Sandy and Sean and everything they do at Mile High Sports Radio. Here you go. Really interesting to hear from Sandy and some of the perspective that he has. Sandy Clough is a is a Nuggets radio or is a Nuggets legend basically, and like how he has done over the radio over the years, sports talk radio, and he covers all the sports, but he always has had a soft spot for the Nuggets for sure. Uh, I was on their show, 
this afternoon and, and we had a great conversation. You should make sure to go check that out. I think I retweeted that in my feed on Twitter. Uh, but there's just a lot, a uh, lot that like, I think about a lot of the Nuggets fans that have been around for ever, like ever just trying to like and waiting for this kind of a moment in the city. And this is the first time dating back to the ABA days of 1976. So really cool to see, really cool to see Denver kind of evolve here. But let's get back into mailbag time and we are going to go to zone defense from Paddington. How effective is Jokic in Denver versus zone defense? Seems to be a pretty big storyline, but I'm curious if Spo, if Spo has some secret sauce. Uh, yeah, I mean, zone is going to be interesting in, in this particular this particular matchup for sure. I think that Denver, they are going to be bothered at times by the zone. And a lot of it's going to come with the non-Jokic minutes, which I'll, I'll answer in the next question. But Jokic specifically is the ideal zone breaker because you can get him into the middle of the floor. He is a big target and he sees over the top of the defense. And usually in a zone, when you get somebody to the middle of the floor, they are then greeted by the seven foot behemoth in the middle. Uh, That's not really the case with Miami. They don't have a guy in the middle of the zone. Like maybe Cody Zeller can do some of it, but like, I just don't think that Jokic will be bothered in the middle of the paint by a guy like Cody Zeller, or even by a guy like Bam. like I think that those guys are, like, Jokic has had success against them for a reason. He's not going to be bothered by those particular guys. And then the great thing about Jokic is that he's always going to make the extra pass. So if there's any help or if there's any miscommunication from those guys and they get backdoor behind on a cut and then the, the paint is wide open for either a, uh, a, a layup or an offensive rebound, like, Jokic and Denver have been fantastic against zone defense this year. And I would just not be surprised if the Spo, the Spur, not the, I was reading Spo and was trying to say Miami, but then turned into to Spurs. Uh, I would not be surprised if Spo tried that for Miami and was like, nah, this isn't going to work. And then they just didn't really do as much zone throughout that time. What I will say is on this, this next question from Matthew, this one is interesting. We know Jokic is really good at breaking zone defense, but if Miami implements it in the non-Jokic minutes, how confident are you in the Nuggets to navigate that? Uh, This is one where I think that they can do it. I think that they are a smarter basketball team than like the Boston Celtics or the New York Knicks or the Milwaukee Bucks. I think that that's the great thing about this Nuggets team is they they have a lot to give from a uh, basketball intelligence perspective and, and, and the way that they continue to play around Jokic, I do think bleeds into some of those non-Jokic minutes as well, especially in the playoffs. But there is something to be said about, hey, you may not have the right personnel to break down a zone uh, in the non-Jokic minutes. Like Aaron Gordon going to the middle of the paint. I don't think that Jeff Green is that guy. Maybe they put in Michael Porter in those moments and they're like, okay, we're going to get Michael Porter into the middle of the zone, and he's either going to shoot or he's going to kick out, and that's going to be the initial aspect of that. I don't know if that's perfect. Like it's it's probably not the perfect thing. And, and Porter, like he can make those shots over the top of a team like that, but I do think that that's probably not what you want to have to do. 
So if you are if you get into that position, if you're Denver, you better hope that Porter makes those shots. You better hope that Murray uh, can can hit some shots, kind of navigating into the crevices of the zone. Bruce Brown actually does that pretty well, where he can knife into the zone as long as he's getting all the way to the rim and, and not having to stop short into the floater zone too often. Then that's a a big differentiator right there. Um, but I do think that Gordon, like he'll try to hit some turnaround twos in the middle of the floor. If he misses those, it's going to look pretty ugly. So that'll be something to watch. Um, Denver's going to have to figure that out. The great thing about Jokic, though, is that we'll probably play about 40 to 42 minutes for most of these games. And so you're only talking about six to eight minutes. And so three and a half, that's fine. Denver can make that work. Drunko Kamarki, nice tag. He says, this seems like a perfect matchup for MPJ breakout. How important will he be in this series? I think it's going to be a good one. I think this is going to be a good matchup for Michael Porter. I think he's a guy that when when you are trying to draw up what a zone breaker would look like for Denver, uh, MPJ is a great one because people aren't going to be able to contest this shot at 6'10". He is a great option there for them to be able to score. And he's a great option there for him to cut and for him to grab offensive rebounds and make himself known on that end. I also think that it would be great if he were able to step up against Jimmy Butler when Jimmy inevitably seeks him out in one-on-ones on the defensive end. I think that MPJ is going to have to do that. I think he's going to have to step up on, on both ends of the floor. It's not just going to be the offensive end with him. Like It is going to be the rebounding. It's going to be the switching. It's going to be the guarding and trying to react to uh, the actions that Miami likes to run, where they run Duncan Robinson off of DHOs. They run backdoor cuts. Uh, they they have a lot of great designs that will get them some free points, even against, like, like they got them against Boston. They'll get them against Denver. Uh, MPJ is going to have to step up in that regard. He's going to have to uh, cover up as best as he can and, and read the floor really well. And something that's something that he just hasn't done uh, too terribly much. I think he's getting better. I think he's seeing the court a lot better than where he was even two years ago. And that is a great aspect of this where you know that the pressure is going to get to some guys. But if you can see the floor, if you can read what's going on and you don't get too caught up in that, then you can still excel. And, and I think that MPJ could definitely still excel. So like I said in the second segment, I think that he's going to average 16, 17 points per game. Maybe it's more. Maybe it's more than that. Wouldn't surprise me if he got a like 20. Uh, would it be that surprising if he was at 12 points per game? Not really. Like I, I think that there, there are things that are wishful thinking on my front from, hey, this is how he has to play. This is what he has to do. This is the perfect opportunity for him to step up just like this. And then if Miami's just better at that aspect of their defense than I expect, then maybe that's a maybe that's something that kind of goes by the wayside. So we're going to see, but I do think he's going to be important. I called him my X Factor in last night's Den Vengers episode. So I do think that he is a big piece of this series, and there's going to be a lot there. Three more questions here before I monologue. I'm monologuing all the time, so take this with a grain of salt. BK19 says, lots of folks favoring the Nuggets, rightfully so. But what has to unfold to make this a long series or even a heat series win? Uh, also talked this on about also talked about this 
on the Den Ventures episode last night. I think that if Bam defends Jokic surprisingly better than a lot of people expect, then that's probably the biggest key. I don't know if that's going to happen. I actually doubt that that's going to happen, and it's one of the reasons why I predicted what I did. But I do think that if Denver has an opportunity here to put a lot of pressure on Bam, get him to do a little bit of foul trouble, put him into a situation where he feels overwhelmed and they have to change up what they're doing immediately, and then Denver sees those adjustments, and then they ultimately adjust to those adjustments and then solve what the Miami Heat are trying to do. That is the recipe for a short series. If you can't get to that point initially, and Bam is actually a much more challenging defensive matchup for Jokic than expected, then Denver, maybe they split. Maybe they split in Denver. Maybe that's a thing that Denver does lose a game. Uh, then you're probably looking at 2-2 coming back. And that is that's a pretty big issue if you're Denver. Like, not Not from a perspective of, hey, you can't win in that scenario. But you don't want the series to go long. Like you'd rather, hey, you go up 2-0, then you try to get one in, in Miami, and then you get game five on the way back. That's the that's the mentality that you have to bring. Uh I don't know if that's actually gonna happen. I don't know if Bam can actually hold up against Denver and against Jokic, but I do think that that is the right call here. That if Bam really struggles in that matchup, then it's gonna be quick. If he's great in that matchup, it's gonna be a long series. And Joshua, kind of in the same vein, do the Heat have the bigs uh, playing B, C, or D to play behind Bam if he gets into foul trouble or Jokic gets a hold on him? This is part of it. I don't think that they have the options. I really don't. One of the great things about Rui Hachimura, even though Denver swept that series, they I don't think they ever really fully figured that out. They just kind of played around it. I think that what Denver was able to do in that series was really impressive. But one thing about Hachimura is that he's thick, he's strong, and he is very athletic. And he's one of the guys that when they're talking about who could stand up to Giannis, who could stand up to Embiid, players like that, one of the reasons why Hashimura was drafted where he was, pretty sure he was a top eight pick in like 2019, I think it was. Maybe it was 2020, one of the two. Uh, I do think that it was his size. It was his athleticism. It was the physical profile and, and what he was being compared to that actually made him a really interesting piece. And he was able to be more physical in that matchup, and, and Denver didn't really attack it in the way that they probably could. Miami doesn't have that. Miami does not have those kinds of guys. Kevin Love is not going to be able to handle that. Like, he's just not. Cody Zeller, if you put him out there next to Bam and have Bam roam, then the offense that Miami's going to have on the other end is going to really struggle. And that's just a part of the calculus that, okay, maybe if you play two bigs, against Denver, then maybe Denver's offense slows down a little bit. But if your offense slows down even more, that's a problem. So that's going to be a thing. And then other guys that I guess they could try, maybe it's Caleb Martin or Jimmy Butler switching onto him and then uh, Bam helping out at the back. That's just too small. That to me is is not a great recipe for success if you're a Miami Heat fan or a, a Miami supporter. I wouldn't do that if I were them just because like Jokic is going to eat that for breakfast. Um, and then Haywood Highsmith, Omer Yurtseven, like, these guys don't move me. Like, they, they just don't from that, from that perspective. I do not think that that's a thing. 
I do not think that Denver gets bothered by that. That is just not something that I'd be worried about. So to answer Joshua's question, no, they do not have the bigs to do uh, much of what they need to if Bam gets into foul trouble or if Denver solves that matchup. Like, that's just that's just different. We will see what it looks like now. But final question here. Besides the best player in the world, this is from Tyler Freeze. Besides the best player in the world, what do the Nuggets have that every team Miami has beaten so far has not had? I'm going to say poise. I'm going to say, like, actually, like, strong poise and belief in that situation. I don't know if any of the other teams in the East did, if I'm being honest. It looked like Miami beat them down and bothered them and really broke their spirit in each of those series. Like, Milwaukee, Drew Holiday was talking about how Jimmy was just just going at him. He, like, Drew knew he could not stop him. Drew Holiday, like, one of the best defenders in the world. Could not do it. Bama, uh, Brooke Lopez, Giannis, could not do it. None of those guys, they didn't have anything against Jimmy Butler. New York, I don't know if they actually believed in the, like, maybe they did, but I wouldn't believe in Julius Randle. I wouldn't believe in R.J. Barrett. They've burned people too many times, and I think they burned Miami, or they burned New York fans in that series. Just leaving Jalen Brunson out to dry for sure. And then if you're Boston, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown proved they they had good moments. Jalen Brown didn't have that many good moments. He was dribbling off of his foot, dribbling, losing the basketball, especially going to his left as many times as they did. They, they didn't have the poise. They didn't have the staying power for when Miami hit them. None of those teams did. When Miami hit them, they didn't have an answer. Just none. Nothing, nothing serious anyway. Denver, I think, does. I think Denver has that mentality. I think they have that belief in themselves. And I think they've weathered the storm in a lot of different ways to put themselves into a position where even if Miami comes out firing, Denver can respond because they know how good they are. They know how talented they are. And I think they're buying into their own hype a little bit, but in a good way, not necessarily in like, not necessarily in an unfortunate way. So I do think that I do think that Denver's in a great position there. They're going to have like so much of what Miami's advantage was over those other teams is they had a mental advantage. I don't think that the Nuggets have a mental disadvantage against Miami. That's for sure. Like, what's Jokic going to do? Get bothered by trash talk? No, that's just not who he is. Murray, like he feeds off of that trash talk. Like that's just what gets him going. And you know that even if Denver goes down three one, knock on wood. Uh, they can still come back from that because that's just who they are. That's who they have been. So I think that Denver, like, they're in a great spot. Like, they they have the belief in themselves. Their stars believe in each other. And it just feels like this is a team of destiny. Which leads me to my final monologue here. This is just, like, this is the time. Like, we, we had this question earlier about, like, is this season a failure if Denver doesn't win the title? It might be. And the reason for that is because it feels like everything is lined up. Everything is lined up for what the Nuggets have wanted. There is a thing going on around Twitter today. Some bozo from LA uh, was saying, yeah, this is one of the weakest runs of all time that the Nuggets have gone through. Uh, they have their, like, the weakest in the generation, the weakest title, the weakest ring in a generation. And... 
that bothers me for one thing, like for one reason. But like, here are the two reasons why it's wrong. Here are the two reasons why that's wrong for sure. Is that Denver is the only team in the NBA that's risen above this morass of mediocrity. All of these other teams have been mid. Every single one. Denver's had their moments too. Like they, during the regular season especially, they they were apathetic. Defense was a concept to them that they just didn't really want to deal with in the first 20 games of the year. And then in the last 15 games of the year, they're like, we've already clinched. What do we need to do? And despite the fact that they had a super easy schedule down the stretch, they didn't really need to do anything. And they, they lost some games that they probably should have won. You could say that about the first 20 games as well. So I think that Denver left some points on the table. I think they left some wins on the table. And as a result, like their numbers look a little bit worse than what they actually are. But that doesn't excuse the rest of the NBA. None of the NBA teams actually have that. But the other reason is this. Even though Denver kind of struggled a little bit, Denver still got the one seed. They played the teams that are in front of them. It's not Denver's fault that they played the Minnesota Timberwolves. Like, Minnesota's going to have their time, or they're going to blow it up. Like, what we're going to find out one way or the other. But Anthony Edwards is is fantastic. Like, he's going to be great. Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, they would have beaten the Los Angeles Lakers. I firmly believe that. Like, Devin Booker and Kevin Durant and the Phoenix Suns did not look as good as Denver, and they didn't look as good because of Denver. Like Denver did a lot of things to bother them, and they did a lot of things to wear them down, and ultimately that series looked a little bit worse. Uh, but part of that was because Denver was just the more talented team, and it wasn't really close at the end of it, especially with the injuries that, that Phoenix ultimately dealt with, because they were an older team, and because they just weren't as in position to do this as Denver was. And then lastly, the Lakers. Like A lot of people talk about the Lakers. A lot of people talk about, hey, Maybe this is their time. Maybe this is their run. They could definitely score on Denver. And they did. But they also just couldn't stop Denver at all. Uh, LeBron James is fantastic. Anthony Davis is... Well, he's Anthony Davis. And I think that Denver pants them. Denver just absolutely rolled through. And it did not matter whether any of the teams that they would have played in the West. It didn't matter if Denver had played the two seed, the three seed, and the four seed. They had to play the eight seed because that was a requirement, because that's just what is required. And then they played the four seed. They played a team that was favored over them, and it didn't matter. I think that the Nuggets, at this point, I think they've proven that no matter who they were facing in the Western Conference, they would have come out of it. Maybe it's just a down year for the West. I think that's fair to say. Maybe it's just a down year for the NBA because of how much parity there is in the NBA today. And it's why the NBA should want the Nuggets to succeed. It's why they should want them to shine on the biggest moment, the biggest stage, the biggest moments, and everybody talk about how fan-freaking-tastic Jokic is. Because you can market that dude. You absolutely can. You say, this is the next iteration of the Golden State Warriors. Look at how fun they are. Look at how incredible they are. Look how connected they are. Look at how interesting the style of play is. Look at how interesting the superstar is. Like, look at how compelling this team is. There's a lot there. And if you are missing it, then you're wrong. You just are. And I think that this is a great time for Denver. This is a great time for them to take advantage of this because they are going to have 
plenty of time. They're going to have plenty of time to do it. And I'm looking forward to all of this. Like It starts tomorrow, Thursday night, game one. But I'm looking forward to the absolute zoo that it is about to be. And and it's gonna be it's gonna be a great experience. And I hope all Nuggets fans can enjoy it too. Hopefully it comes with some wins. That'd be cool too. Michael, can you hit that outro music for me, my friend? That is gonna do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Thank you so much for hopping in on this final preview before the NBA finals begin. I uh, really appreciate everybody for the asking questions. Really appreciate everybody for hanging out with me at this stage. We uh, have some folks in here. Really appreciate you uh, for sticking with me this entire time. Should be a lot of fun. Tomorrow's podcast will be recapping game one. Going to be really exciting. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Hit that like button on the way out and hit that subscribe button for the 1,000th video for Mile High Sports. Thank you so much. Talk to you guys tomorrow. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.